Well, good morning. Happy Easter. He is risen. He's risen indeed. There it is. All right. Hey, so this morning, uh, I've got Ben Lynn here with me. And uh, Ben and I are going to go through uh, a passage in 1 Peter. We're going to look at verses 17 through 21. And uh, I want to give you a little bit of an introduction to who this guy is. Some of you know him. Some of you don't. Um, I actually first got to meet Ben 16 years ago. And the, I marked that because I married my wife 15 years ago, Becky and I 15 years. Um, and uh, then Ben was just a year before that. So I've known you longer than my wife or something. I don't know. I, it's, it's not more special, but it's no, longer. It's not, um, anyway. Um, so anyway, I met Ben here at the church. And uh, Ben was actually, I don't know if you know this, I think I've shared this with you, but Ben was one of those guys that I really looked up to. Um, I really felt like this guy, he's got his feet underneath him and he's, he's, he's uh, living the Christian life and he's loving his wife and he's raising awesome children. Um, and uh, I really looked up to him. And so that's kind of how I got to know Ben through a discipleship role. Um, and then uh, uh, time goes by, you go to the Bay Area for work and spend time at a different church in the Bay Area, and then you end up in Ireland. Yes. Um, and Ben and Doreen are missionaries in Dublin. And share with us just a little bit of what you do in Dublin. Oh, wow. So we've been in Dublin for about two years, a little over two years, and we're involved in just a variety of different ministry partnerships, um, a lot of stuff in the community. Um, so we work with a lot of people in addiction or coming out of addiction, a lot of people in communities affected by addiction. Um, so a lot of that, and also we're involved in a local church. Uh, just a lot, of, a lot of great ways that God has opened up doors for us to be involved in people's lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and what I love about your ministry is, uh, is you guys uh, look at the individual and you say, let's build a relationship with this person because we truly care about the individual that's in front of us. Mm -hmm. um, and and we're going we're gonna to help them with whatever it is they're going through and we're going to expose them to who Jesus Christ is mm -hmm. and give them an opportunity to change the way that they live and follow and believe in Jesus Christ and, and kind of change life and, and, and know Him. And then once, once they know Him, I know you guys do different things where uh, and, and they're following Jesus. You do things where they can learn how to be rooted in Jesus and learn their identity. Um, I think what I love about your ministry is it mirrors what, what we love to do here. Sure. Um, but, but you grow people up in their faith and their identity and who they are in Jesus Christ. And uh, I know you also partner with people and, and work together to share the gospel. And um, I just really see a lot of value in what you're doing. And it, and it reminds me a lot of what we do here. It's, it's really neat because I think that a lot of our programs and a lot of our, our, our partnerships... They just give us a context. They just give us almost like an excuse to be in people's lives mm -hmm. and to just to be able to, to, to share Christ in our actions and our words and just walk alongside people. Yeah. It's been great. And ultimately, that's what we want to be as a Christian. We want to be somebody who's uh, involved in the lives of other people, loving them, caring for them, really emulating what Jesus did uh, in his life. And, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, as we look at Easter this morning, we're going to obviously talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the literal historical event where Jesus, uh, he died, uh, and then he was literally dead and buried, and then he literally historically rose from the, rose from the dead. He was raised by the power of God, um, doing many different things, uh, one of them proving the claims that he made and offering us new life, and just an amazing thing that the resurrection is, totally outside of what any of us would expect to ever happen, God did it. Um, but as we go into that, kind of the question I want you to uh, be thinking is, is, do you consider yourself a Christian? And if so, on what basis? Um, what, is it, what is it that makes you a Christian? Uh, and then the other question is, are, do you consider yourself worthy of eternity with God or heaven? And if so, on what basis? Um, do you think, yeah, I'm a Christian and, 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 I, and I'm a follower of Jesus. If so, what, what makes you one? 
And, if, and maybe, maybe you would say no to that, but you'd answer yes to the second question. Um, I do think that I'm worthy of heaven and that I will, I will spend eternity there. Um, and if so, on what basis? And as we go through this, what I want you to do is I want you to realize that every person is in need of salvation. Every person is in need of a savior. Um, none, of us, none of us is in a right state with God, and that's what every re religion recognizes. Every religion recognizes that we are not uh, in a right relationship with God, that something there is broken, something there is off. And what most religions do is they say, hey, let's work our way towards God. Like, we recognize there's a deficiency in us, but if I fix myself up and work on these deficiencies, I could be acceptable to God. And that's what most religions do. Uh, we're going to see that that's not what Christianity is about. Many people have made Christianity about that, but Christianity is not about fixing ourselves up or self-effort. But instead, there's this thing called grace, where there's, there's this God, and, and he's not waiting for us to, you know, he's not kind of like begrudgingly holding what he has and saying, if you would just get it right, I could give it to you. <clears throat> But instead, what we see in the picture of the, on the pages of Scripture is a God who is always extending towards us who He is, relationship with Him, and everything that He has. And so it's not a matter of, could I, could I make this angry God happy enough to extend His arms towards me? But it's actually, there's this God who has lovingly reached out towards me. Jesus Christ is the ultimate expression of that, that God would become man and die for our sins and prove His claims and, and His deity through His resurrection. I mean... That's the ultimate expression of God's arms reached out towards us is the life of Jesus Christ. But that's who God is. The Christian God is a God who's always extending his arms towards us, saying, I have relationship with me available to you, and everything that's mine is also available to you as you know me. And so it's not this begrudging God who's going, well, figure it out, and maybe I could be nice to you. But instead, it's this God who said, I have figured everything out, and I love you. Will you move towards me? And ultimately, that's what the gospel is about. It's a, it's a question of will you move towards this God who loves you? Or are you going to continue saying, I'm good on my own, I'd rather earn it? That's ultimately what Christianity is about. And Easter is the ultimate expression of our salvation and grace. Jesus Christ raising from the dead. I mean, it's why we celebrate. It's why you would get excited about the resurrection because it's a literal historical thing that took place, but also because it's the ultimate expression of God saying, I love you and I want you and I've proven that I'm trustworthy. If the resurrection does nothing else, it proves that God wants us, he loves us, and he's trustworthy. And so as we look at this, I want you to be thinking about, man, is that the God that I believe in? Or do I believe in some sort of begrudging God who's holding things back? Do, do I really believe that I have to impress him and make him trust me? Or is, has he proven that he's trustworthy and the shoe's on the other foot and it's me that needs to trust him? So we'll read these verses in uh, 1 Peter chapter 17. Or in the, for, Find that, that one. That's not correct. <laughs> Don't do that. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17 through 21. So verse 17. If you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, from the futile way of the life inherited from your forefathers, 
but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. And what we see there in verse 17, we see if you address as father, you look at God and you say, he's my creator and my father. The one who impartially, he doesn't look at people and say, well, I, I like that race better than that race, or I like that gender better than that gender, or I like that nation better than that. He, doesn't, he, he judges impartially according to our work. Conduct yourselves with fear during your stay here on earth. And what we see there is that, uh, that our work's if, if we rely upon our works, that's actually kind of a scary thing. If you're relying upon what you can do and how you can make yourself trustworthy towards God, that's actually kind of a scary thing. Um, but that's what most people do. Most people, we rely on our own abilities to make ourselves right with God. And, and God could be a lot of different things to different people. I understand that. The scriptures reveal that there is an individual God that's revealed himself to us and ultimately made himself perfectly known through the person of Jesus Christ. Um, but God could be different things to different people. But if you approach whoever this God is to you in a manner that says, I will work and be approved because I've done enough, that's actually kind of a scary thing. But it's what most people do. And when you look at people in, in Ireland, Ben, yeah. what, are the, what are the ways that you see people trying to achieve salvation? Well, I mean, I shared this at the men's breakfast on Saturday morning last week, but um, really only 1% or fewer of people in Ireland would say they have a relationship with Jesus, that they're Christians like this. So the rest of the, rest of the country kind of falls into this, you know, one of two different camps. One of them is what I would call you know, traditional Ireland, right, where you've got people who are just really enamored with the church as an organization, as an institution. They love the tradition. They love the heritage. They love this kind of identity and culture that they get from church, uh, but maybe not necessarily understanding the gospel, maybe not having a sense of who Jesus is or why he had to die or that God even loves them, right? Mm -hmm. They have this idea of God as this terrible judge. Um, and so these folks in this kind of distorted view of what's in scripture, live out this very legalistic, very, um, I'm gonna do all of these things and I'm going to not do these other things. And if I do these things, then I'm gonna do more of these things and just try to live out their lives in, in kind, of a, kind of a sense of balance where I'm, I'm gonna be on balance a better person. Hmm. And the other group that I see is kind of this modern Ireland and modern Ireland has this very strong sense of um, a very combative, atheism where we say you know the church has been responsible for so much injustice the church has been you know abusing and and neglecting people and so we want no part of that and so we don't need god we don't need the church we're just going to in some ways live out exactly the same way that the other people do um going to try to do good things not do the bad things create a society where it's it's inclusive and free and and mm. accepting yeah, and that's interesting. Having you hear that, having having heard you say that again, mm -hmm. um, as you're saying that, I, I'm I'm actually picturing the United States largely, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's pretty similar. You yeah. you have kind of conservative America, um, and conservative America would be like you're saying traditional Ireland, where uh, the traditions that we've had for many many years are the right thing. That's what's right. That's what's moral. That's what's good. 
Um, and then you have sort of the, uh, the other side, and then you have conservative, and then, and then the liberal side would say that we're, we're modern America, and we've progressed, and we don't need those traditions, um, and we, maybe we don't even need God anymore. Um, and instead, we can rely wholly upon ourselves, this sort of humanistic view where we're good, and we can be good enough all on our own, and we can make the world the best that it could be. Um, without God, because what we've looked at in the past is that God is actually, people who follow God have actually created more problems than they've solved them, right. um, which is very much how the people in Ireland would view the church. True. Um, and so it's not that different. Um, you sort of have the traditionalist who says all these old morals are the right morals, and you have the, uh, the modern person who says all these new morals are the right morals. Um, but what they're both doing is they're both saying we have it right and you have it wrong, but they're also both saying we can rely upon ourselves to figure this out. We're going to rely upon our own work in order to be right. Um, and and I, I love one of was ben, ben and I were going through this, kind of your comment towards that, the idea that you could rely upon yourself. Um, you're, you're saying that that's not something that would cause me to be uh, comforted. Right. But right. instead, fearful. Yeah, if we understand that God's holiness is so much higher than our own and his standards are such that we could never reach them, like I can work as hard as I want and never have that sense of comfort that I'm doing enough. Right. right. Yeah, and so one of the interesting conversations that I'll have with, with people from a religious background on a regular basis is, you know, they, they, they come and, and you're talking to them and, they, and they're talking about all the things that they do to, to be right with God. And then you ultimately you ask them, okay, well, well, do you know that your eternity is secure? And very often the answer is no, I don't. I don't know. If I'm if I'm going to spend time if I'm going to go to heaven, I don't know if my works will result in ultimately relationship and salvation eternally with God, and that's the glory of the resurrection. Is I don't have to wonder, yeah. um, because it's not about me or what I can do, but ultimately it's about Jesus and what He did. And so my hope is not in me and what I can perform, but my hope is in Jesus and what He did perform. And so there's a, there's a fundamental shift in mentality of it's not about me and what I can do, but it's about this God who loves me and has done everything for me to be redeemed, uh, bought back, and reconciled or brought into relationship with him. He's, he's bought me out of an old lifestyle and put me into a new one. And he did it, not me. Uh, and, and that's what really verse 17 is, is kind of bringing to our attention is that if, you, if, you, if you're going to... You're going to look at God and say, he judges impartially based upon what I can do. That's a scary thing because I, could, I don't know if I'll measure up or not. And then verse 18, he goes on. Hey, here's here's, here's what, why you, it's so much better to not rely on yourself. Knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. And then he goes on. So it's not about perishable things, things that won't last, but uh, like, our, like most people think. But instead, in verse 19, but with the precious blood of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. And those words there, unblemished and spotless, uh, uh, unblemished, it means to be blameless. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he didn't go there because he should have been there. Uh, he didn't go there because they had placed blame on him and, and he was wrong. And he didn't, when he went to the cross, it wasn't, be, spotless means faultless. He didn't go there because there was a fault within him that he had done something wrong. So his, his character was blameless and his actions were faultless. That's who Jesus was when he went to the cross and yet he went there. 
Because he went there for those who do have an issue with their character, you and I, and do have an issue with our actions, uh, you and I. He went there for us. The death of Jesus on the cross is a substitution. Uh, all, the, all the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, what it pointed to was that when Jesus went to the cross, he would be the substitute once and for all. That he would go there for people who have a fundamental character issue, you and I, and who have uh, issues with our actions, you and I, and he would pay the price. That's what Jesus did when he went to the cross. And that's why when you look at him, you go, man, it's, it's not this futile way from our fathers where we trust in ourselves, but it's from this blameless and faultless Messiah uh, who is precious and of great value. Uh, I could never be who Jesus is. My character would never measure up. If I try as hard as I want, I could never measure up. And my actions could never measure up, but his do. And so instead of trusting in myself, I trust in him. And so when you look at this, I mean, why, why would anyone consider trusting and following Jesus? I mean, these verses are answering that, but, but why? It just, it just points to this, to this whole truth that we're looking at, that our own ways are not going to be enough, right? And I think that's probably, in Ireland especially, and probably here in the States as well, uh, the idea that we are somehow not enough in ourselves, it's offensive. People don't like mm. to look at that. People don't... Mm. We like this idea of being self-reliant, self-sufficient, of creating a society in, in, in the image that we like and, you know, being good in that community. And it's never enough. Right. You know? Yeah. Ultimately, I don't like the idea that I'm not enough. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's, that's unfortunately the position that God puts us in is, is he's creator and we're not. He, he made us, we didn't. Um, he, he made everything around us, we didn't. Even when we, even when we very creative humans come up with something, we're, we're not coming up with anything new. We're only using what's already been made. Uh, we don't have it. Um, and then when it comes to salvation, uh, the, the scriptures have revealed from the front of the book to the back of the book uh, that it's not about what we can do. Um, and, and there's these verses in Psalm 49, um, and, and he, it says this. It says, No man can by any means redeem his brother or give, a God, or, or give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of his soul is costly, and he should cease trying forever. God's message is that the redemption of your soul is costly, and you could never pay it, so stop trying. You're wasting your time. Mm -hmm. And he says, if you want to live eternally and you want to not undergo decay, ultimately he reaches a point where he says, God is the one who will save me. I'm not going to rely on myself. I'm not going to look at the traditions of men. I'm not going to look at the society around me and, and say, well, they do it this way, so I will too. Or they do it this way, so I will too. Or I'm really creative and I'll make some sort of hybrid where I grab a bunch of stuff and do it that way. I'm not going to do that, but instead I'm going to recognize I don't have it. And I'm going to trust God instead. If I want salvation, if I want redemption, it won't be because of me. It will be because of what he has done. You look at verse 17 where it talks about, you know, during your stay on earth, right? And it says the idea there is just like sojourning or wandering through a foreign land. This idea is foreign to us. This life, this Christian life, it's not something that we would naturally think of and say, you know, this is, this is how I'm going to get to God. I need to do it by working for myself. But it's, it's different, mm. and that's, that's how God redeems us. Yeah. It is different than the way that we would think, and yet God has revealed this difference to us. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, 
And then when we look at this, this verse 19, and, and he talks about, you know, but with the precious blood of the lamb, unblemished and spotless, uh, the blood of Christ, uh, there's this one who substituted himself for us. And what we then go on to see is that God, this was God's plan from all along. Verse 20, for he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. God has shown up not, not for himself, but, but for you. And this was the plan all along. Um, and, and what we see is that the resurrection of Jesus is the culmination of God's plan of salvation. God had a plan to save us from our sin. God had a plan to redeem us from a lifestyle of sin. God had a plan to reconcile us and bring us back into relationship with him. And the resurrection is the culmination of that. And so if you were going to explain how, how is the resurrection, resurrection the culmination of God's plan of salvation, what would you, what would you say? I mean, there's, there's, there's a few ways, but I think the one that I go to first is like from 1 Corinthians 15. It talks about because Jesus has been raised from the dead, right? And we're united to him through faith, through the spirit. We have a guarantee that we will be raised from the dead, mm -hmm. right? That, that our future is not going to be rotting in the ground somewhere. It's not going to be, you know, mm -hmm. empty and, and perishable like, like it was looking at there in those verses. It's going to be with him. It's going to have this new life and this victory over the grave. Hmm. Right. Yeah, and, and, and what I love about the resurrection is it, is, is it ensures life later. Mm -hmm. Like, if Jesus could beat death, and he promises that through his resurrection and beating death, he's going to do the same for us, it, it secures eternity. I don't have to wonder if, 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 there's, if there's salvation for me in eternity. I recognize that Jesus has secured it. He beat death. Nobody else has ever got back up from death. Um, and it also recognizes that, that God gives me life here and now, that I don't have to wait in order to experience what God has for me. Ultimately, when Jesus was walking around, he told people that the kingdom of God is at hand. He was saying that life as God has intended it is, is right here. It's available. Um, and then he brings that about through the resurrection, that life as God intended it could be yours right now. That you could know God and have relationship with him. And as you know God and have relationship with him, he transforms your heart and he makes you brand new. And as he changes you and he, and he takes up residence in you and, and the spirit of God indwells you and he, he just transforms everything about you, you start to experience life as the creator of the universe intended you to have it. And you can have it, you can have it here, you can have it now, and it's through the power of the resurrection that you can. So it's life here and now, but it's also, I understand that my eternity is secure. Today is secure, and so is my eternity. And that's the power of the resurrection that brings that about. And we see that this has been God's redemptive plan for the very beginning. And so when we talk about this, like, why would you celebrate Easter? Why would you celebrate Easter? Uh, God had been telling the people through the nation of Israel, he'd been telling the world that there was a relationship that he desired to have with humankind. And he showed them what was right, and he showed them what was wrong, and he, and he wanted to lead them to do what was right. Uh, there was a major struggle there. And really what the point of the, God's relationship with Israel was is it was to show humankind we need a Savior. We can't do it ourselves. And to point towards what Jesus would ultimately do, and that there would be a time when he would bring about uh, the, the kingdom of God, life as God intended it, and that it would be made up of certain things. 
And, and what this life with God looks like is he promises us certain things. One of the things that he promises is he promises that if you make a decision to change the way that you live and trust in Jesus, that he will, he will take up residence within you, that the Spirit of God will indwell you and, and you will have God's presence with you everywhere that you go. Um, he also promises that he will make your heart new and that he'll give you a brand new set of desires. And, and really what he'll transform you from is from somebody who's ultimately self-centered and saying, uh, I enter I, I life for me and I focus on what I can do. He's going to give you a new heart and a new set of desires. And that new heart and new set of desires is much like that of a child with him where you will look at God and you'll say, I want relationship with you and I want, I want to know you more deeply. And the Father will look at you in that way, and you'll have this new motivation, this new heart. And then as you long to know God, he, he continues to transform your heart. And you look at him and you go, man, you sure love people. You sure are willing to sacrifice of yourself and give to others. And the more that you know him, the more that you go, I think I want to emulate my Father. And you start treating people that way. So he'll give you, a, his spirit will indwell you. He'll give you a new heart, a new set of desires. And then he says, you'll have intimate relationship with me. You, you'll, you'll have an opportunity to know me as fully as you can. Now, at what point in time do you know everything about an eternal God? The answer is never. God will always be exciting. There will always be something new. You'll always get to enter this relationship where there's more and more to understand about this awesome God. But you can know him that way. You can enter that kind of closeness with him. The other thing that he promises is that every sin is forgiven. And so as, as you approach him and you interact with him, God is not going to talk about you and sh he's not going to shame you and provide guilt on you for the wrong that you've done. Because the shame and guilt of the, of the wrongs that we have done and will do, uh, Jesus took care of that. There is no shame. There is no guilt. The sin is forgiven. And so as you approach him, there'll be a recognition of that was wrong. And he'll say, yeah, it was. Let's move on to what's better. Not shame, 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 guilt, guilt, guilt. But you're right. That was wrong. This is right. Let's move towards what's right. And that's the kind of relationship that you'll have with him. And then it goes on and he says that he would write his laws on our heart and on our mind. God would, sh he would write within us, this is right and this is wrong. Have you ever wondered what was right and what was wrong in a given situation? And you ever look at the society around us and you go, man, this group of people is saying this is right. This group of people is saying that's right. They're at odds. <coughs> Who's right? Maybe neither. Maybe there's something else. I don't know. I'm, I'm confused about what's right and what's wrong. And I'm confused about what's good and what's bad. I think I have an idea, but I, I don't know. And what God is saying is when you enter this relationship with him through Jesus Christ, he's going to teach you all of that. He's going to write it on your heart and on your mind. And he's not just going to put it there so you could know it. He's going to put it there so you could do it. <laughs> And he's going to transform the way that you interact with the people around you. And he's going to give you the power to do right in every situation. Not the confusing version of right that our society comes up where it changes every five years or five minutes. But an eternal standard. You're going to know it and you'll be able to do it. That's what God is offering as he gives you his laws on your heart and on his mind. And the last thing is that you'll have direct access to him. You'll be able to approach God directly. You don't have to have an individual between you and God. There's no mediator. There's no, there's no person that you have to put between you and God because Jesus is that. The person of Jesus 
is that mediator. He is the one who enters directly into your life and reveals himself to you. Now, people certainly play a part in that, but they don't go between you and God. Jesus does. He, he is the direct access to God. And so what, what the resurrection is about, this is why this is exciting, is that the resurrection secures this kind of relationship with God where you, you get his presence with you everywhere that you go. You get a new set of motivations. You get closeness with him. You're forgiven and never shamed again. Uh, you, you know what's right and you know what's wrong and you directly interact with God himself. The resurrection secures that kind of relationship with God. It proves Jesus is a, is a worthy Messiah. It conquers death. It secures our eternity. It gives life right here, right now. Jesus paid everything in full, and then he rose from the dead to prove that he is who he said he was. Now, if you've ever read the Gospels and you look at some of the, some of the things that Jesus says, there's a couple conclusions you could come to. You could look at him and you go, well, that guy's off his rocker. Because who says... I'm the, I'm the bread of life, and, if, and if, you, if you eat what I have to give you, if you have a relationship with me and closeness with me, you'll never be hungry. Well, I'm hungry all the time, and I'm not just talking about food. I'm always hungering for something. You're always hungering for something. And Jesus is saying, if you have a relationship with me, I will give you exactly what you're looking for. Somebody offers that to you. That's crazy talk. So Jesus, he could have been off his rocker. He could have been full of baloney. He could have, you could have looked at him and you said, wow, that, that's no way. I'm not buying it. But what the resurrection does, what the resurrection does is it proves his claims. That's one of the things that it does. It proves when he got up from the dead, it proved all the things that he claimed. And so what we find is that Jesus is trustworthy. In verse 21, it says, through him... Jesus appeared for the sake of you and me, who through him are believers in God. It's through Jesus Christ that we can know and trust God. That's what belief is about. Belief is about trust. It's not about knowing something. It's about trusting something. And in this case, what he's saying is that you can trust God because of what Jesus Christ did. You can know him and trust him because of what he did. And so what we see is that we can find God trustworthy because of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who God raised from the dead to give him glory so that my faith, your faith, my faith and hope could be in God, and you could add the words, and not in myself. I find Jesus Christ trustworthy because he literally, physically, historically rose from the dead. If you want to get into researching all that, you'll find this, the, 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 the facts are overwhelming. And there have been many different people of skeptical backgrounds that have gone out and said, no way this could have happened. And they do the work and they sit back and they go, whoa. If I compare this event in history with every other event in history, it looks like it happened. And so it's not a matter of evidence. It's not a matter of... Uh, it's not a matter of if, if, if I could believe that or not, if it's trustworthy. It's a matter of do I really want to give up being number one? Or will I trust this God? I think probably in, in America, but also in Ireland, we have this idea of 
you know, this God who's just very, he's stern, he's judging, he's, he's, he's terrifying. It's almost like, you know, Jesus lets you in the house, but it's like, you know, my dad really doesn't want you here, so just keep it down, you know what I mean? It's like, you, you stick with me and you'll be okay. And it's like, no, these verses show you, God wants you in the house. God wants you there. He's, yeah. he's got this, this desire to have the relationship. Jesus made the way for that, but it was God who was, who was pulling this whole thing together from the beginning mm -hmm. so that our faith and our hope are in God. Right. So I just want to put that in. Yeah, think of the verses, it's in Colossians, and he says that God was reconciling the world to himself. Um, the idea that he doesn't want you in the house, mm -hmm. uh, that flies in the face of, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you into my house. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's really ultimately who God is, is he's saying, I want you to be a part of my family and a part of my kingdom. Um, and, and so when we look at the message of Christianity, we have to realize that the message of Christianity is that we're not saved by our own abilities, our own efforts, or our heritage. It's not what I can do, um, it's not what I have done, and it's not where I come from. None of that saves me. Instead, it's, it's a free gift from God that pays our debt and buys us back into his family and kingdom. Uh, the common idea is that I'd like to be a part of God's house and I better work my way in. Uh, the Christian idea is that God wants us to be a part of his house and he flung the door wide open. We think that we have to earn, work hard and do the right thing to earn God's trust, but that's backwards. What Christianity points out is that God has done the work and he is trustworthy. Not I have to earn his trust, but he's earned mine and that's all he wants. So, And then it moves from there and this trust in God, it frees us and changes the way that we live. Uh, we trust and he changes us, not the other way around. And what I want to do, uh, I, I kind of want to invite you guys on a, on a spiritual journey here. And everybody's on this right now. You just don't know it. Um, what, what, what God does is, is he reveals himself to us. What Jesus Christ does is, is we get exposure to who Jesus is. And there's this place where people, they come and they see who he is and they get a little exposure to his character and what he's about. And, and he does different things in people's lives. And, and, and we get to see who Jesus is. But after a while, what Jesus would do, once people got to see who he was and they got a little taste of his character and they understood who he was, he would put, this in, he would put them in this position where he would say, now I need you to change the way that you live and trust me. And so a lot of people in the room, you're still in that place of where you're, you're, you're coming and you're seeing and you're getting exposure to who Jesus is and you're kind of figuring out who he is. But ultimately, where, he, where he'll put you is he'll put you in this position where he says, now I want you to change the way that you live and trust me. Now that you understand that, that I love you and I want you to be a part of my family, now that you understand that I'm trustworthy and I, and I, and I proved who I said I was and I was raised from the dead, I, I need you to change the way that you live and trust me. Maybe that's where you're at. You're in a position where you've heard the call of who Jesus is and, and you've, you've, you've got a little bit of an understanding of who he is and he's telling you, today is the day to change the way you live and trust me. Other people in the room, you're in this position where you've made that decision. I, I, I'm going to change the way that I live and God, I trust you. And then what he does is he treats you as his child and he, and he teaches you more truth and he offers you identity. He says, you used to be this and now you're this because you're mine. You didn't used to be mine and you used to live like this. Now you're mine so you're something different 
And now I want you to live like this. And he begins to root you in his truth and, and, and in a relationship with him. But the point isn't to stay there. The point isn't to remain a child. The point would be then to go on from learning my identity and more about who Jesus is. And then he'll take you into a position where he'll say, you're part of my kingdom and part of a kingdom is growth. And so I want you to come with me as my spirit indwells you with your fellow believers. And I want you to go out into this world and I want you to share the truth. I want you to be fishers of men. I want you to go out and I want you to share the good news of my love. That I want everybody in my house. Go tell people I want them in my house. And that Jesus flung the door wide open. And then you reach a point where you go, man, I really want that. And I'm going to go and I'm going to bring him along with me. So I don't know where you're at on that journey. Maybe you're just getting exposure to who Jesus is. Maybe he's saying, hey, today's the day you change your life and trust me. Maybe, maybe you just need to keep getting a little bit more identity, a little bit more truth about him. But don't stay there. My kids stayed in my house all my life. It drive me crazy. Eventually, I want them to grow up and I want them to move. Right? Amen. It's the same with God. He doesn't want us to just sit. He wants us to go. And so maybe that's where you're at. You're in a position where you've heard and you've, you've, you've been to the Bible studies and you've got all the knowledge. Go. And you don't have to have all the knowledge, by the way. You have some knowledge. Go. I don't know where you're at on that journey. Maybe you've been going and now it's your time to go, you know what, that guy, uh, he could come with me. I'm going to bring him. I don't know where you're at on that journey, but I want to offer you a challenge this Easter. And, and I want you to know that the resurrection is sufficient uh, for all of those stages. The resurrection is sufficient for all of it. Whatever next step God has for you, the power of the resurrection is enough. So don't rely on yourself, rely on him. But I want to offer you this challenge. If, if you're just getting exposed to Jesus and you want to know a little bit more, come back. Uh, next week, we're going to be looking at a series. We'll start a series in Ezekiel called Bad Faith. And we're going to look at the things that people place their faith in that don't save and show how Jesus does. So if you want to know a little bit more about Jesus, come back. If you're in a place where God is saying, I want you to repent, I want you to change your life and trust me. I want you to, there's a, there's a card in the pocket in front of you. I want you to fill it out and I want you to drop it in a box and in the comments section, Right today, I chose to follow Jesus. And we will contact you this week and talk to you about next steps so that you can follow Jesus and grow in your relationship with him. If you're in one of those situations where you've been called to be a fisher of men and you're ready to move, I want you to, talk, I want you to come back and I want you to grow in your relationship, but I want you to get connected to other believers so that you can go on kingdom-type missions with them. Don't just build your backyard really cool. Get somebody in it and build the kingdom. Okay, because God wants to send you out into this world. Whatever your next step is, the resurrection is sufficient. Jesus Christ is sufficient. It's why we celebrate today. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the goodness of your character and your kindness towards us. <laughs> what a picture it is to change my mind and stop viewing you as somebody who is begrudgingly holding something and won't give it to me, but to change my mind and see you as someone who is arms wide open, longing to have relationship with me, longing to bless. 
Lord Jesus, you have proved yourself trustworthy. The reason that I would run towards you is you have shown me that you're trustworthy. And God, as we know you and you change our hearts and you grow us more like you, you we, we start to emulate you and we love people the way you love people and we invite people into your house. So I pray this Resurrection Sunday is, is a moment of power within each of our lives. Spirit of God, I pray that you would work on each heart, each individual in this room, wherever they're at. If they're just learning who you are, Lord Jesus, uh, give them comfort and answer their questions. Uh, if, if they're in a moment where they need to change the way they live and trust you, God, I pray that you would embrace them, wrap your arms around them, and move them towards a Christian so that they could share that took place. If, they're just become, if they've just become your child, God, I pray that you would continue to root them in you, that they would uh, know more and more about your character and their identity and, and what you have to say about what is good and what is bad and how to live it out. And God, I pray that we wouldn't stay there, but that we would go and that we would embrace this mission that you've given us where we would share the message of the fact that God loves people and he wants relationship with them and Jesus Christ has brought that about. Pray that this is a moment of power in each person's life, Spirit of God, that you would use this to move us forward and that we would be uh, obedient, not because we have to, but because we want to, because we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.